listening to Nexus Global APM on air, where we bring our listeners and connection between excellence and knowledge. I'm Larry Olson, CEO and president of Nexus Global, and I'll be your host for this session of Nexus Global APM on air. Today, our guest is Andy Gagger, managing director of North America for Nexus Global. Andy is a certified maintenance reliability professional, a certified reliability engineer, and a certified production and inventory management guy, and as well, author of many articles in his spare time. Andy, thank you for joining us today in today's session with Nexus Global iRadio. Thank you, Larry. Andy, you recently wrote an interesting article for FacilitiesNet on managers need to learn the language of finance. Some interesting points you mentioned in the article, in particular, a few stand out. You mentioned that many of the maintenance and engineering managers are not trained to speak the language of finance. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah, the point that I was trying to make is, look, many of the maintenance and engineering managers, they come up through the ranks, much like, much like I did, and, and they're not equipped with the tools necessary, really, to make the informed or to make informed financial decisions, let alone secure approval of budget proposals from chief financial officers or CEOs. But it's critical for managers to understand basic concepts of fiscal responsibility and and to learn to speak and present intelligently in order to get that backing and the support for whatever projects that they're working on or any of the capital or major expenditures that they're looking to have financed. Interesting. And in respect, that's more so in line with uh, return on investment or internal rate of return is uh, in in forms of those terms. Is that um, what you're referring to? It is. Because at the end of the day, when the dust finally settles, it does all come down to the return on investment or the finance folks or our friends in finance will be looking at some type of internal rate of return. So just taking just a few of the tangible steps that some of these managers can make will enable them to make better proposals. They'll certainly be better prepared with financial information and present it in such a way that that speaks the financial language that they're going to be looking for. So the ROI is a financial calculation that evaluates the consequences of a project in terms of the magnitude of cash outflow, you know, versus the time it takes to break even or achieve the expected returns. And likewise, the IRR or the internal rate of return, that's measured used when projecting budgeting for the capital project and the profitability of the potential investment. And IRR uses a discounted rate that makes the net present value of all the cash flows from the capital expenditure equal to zero. So it'll make it much easier to calculate future returns. Yeah, with just some of those terms and you know, you know reference points, I can understand where our, our typical maintenance or engineering or even operations folks uh, may struggle to understand uh, ROI and RRI and, and so on and so on. But you also bring up the point around life cycle costing. So in life cycle costing, how does that relate to the overall scheme of where we're going with uh, ROI and IRR? Well, you know, again, that's a good question. When, when we talk about these different costing models, the ROI and, and the uh, internal rate of return IRR, and then this thing called life cycle costing or total cost of ownership, we need to be prepared to present different costing models. So when we're looking at life cycle costings or lowest total cost of ownership, 
you know, we're evaluating project A versus a project B or option A versus option B versus perhaps even an option C. So, you know, life cycle costing, I guess, you know, the textbook definition is it's, it's a method for evaluating, you know, all the relevant costs, you know, over the performance of that project's life. So there's a couple things that we take into account with this costing me- method, and that is, you know, the cost, of course, but we also include the capital investment, the acquisition of that, the installation cost of that asset or that project. And, and then, l- look, one of the things that, that I see missing many, many times is the decommissioning or, or the retirement of that equipment or that project. We also include future costs, which includes energy, the operating costs, the maintenance costs, perhaps the, you know what, what the replacement costs would be, and also what the financing would be. So what's the rate of return on, uh, on the interest? The other thing that you know potentially we take a look at is is there any resale value or any salvage value of that? Again, I mentioned it. W- what are the potential disposal costs associated with that? So the whole idea behind calculating lifecycle costing is to maximize or optimize those costs by comparing them to alternative choices that are similar yet they're they're different in the cost cost structures per project. Okay, great. That's interesting, and you know. That- as an accident maintenance manager and working along those schemes of trying to understand, you know, what's what's relevant to the CFO or where's the CEO's head? What what do I need to do and, and where do I need to get my information from? These are all really good points about trying to get maintenance and engineering and e- even the operations guys understanding the, the language of finance. These, these are not typically something that we understand down in the trenches or even at mid-manager level. These are typically something that's uh, reserved for conversation at, at a higher level. So maintenance cost today is the equipment broken, we have repairs. But looking at it in the overall scheme of things, what have the repairs been over the total life of the equipment and so on and so on, and trying to understand the, the relevant value of where we need to go in the futures. All really interesting points. So Andy, what would you say if we had an opportunity to improve our engineering and manager's knowledge about finance, where would we really start? Well, one of the things I recommend for, for any of the managers or any, anybody that's been placed in this position that doesn't have any experience is we've mentioned three different costing models so far. You know, we've talked about the return on investment and the internal rate of return and, and total life cycle costing models and such. So Look, I would recommend that you start by using, you know, at least two of those costing models, you know, if potentially not all three, but it's used as a means to measure the proposal's risk, okay? And that's very important to take away from this. I mean, when we're talking some of the dollar or the requesting for some of those capital expenditures, we are, whether we like to think of it as not or not, but we are putting the organization to some level of risk and and we need to manage that risk. And, and based on that risk, what's the reward? So what are my returns going to be? So when we're developing some of these proposals, we want to start looking at and doing some research, perhaps looking at some available information on benchmarking. On these proposals, we would perhaps build into there some milestones to give our friends in finance and our leadership team the confidence that we're, we're hitting our milestones and that the project is moving along on time to budget or under budget, ideally, and that we're going to put timelines in there so we can, so we can do these stopgate checks to make sure that we're trending in the right direction. 
One of the things, again, that, that I recommend is that when we're calculating cost and, and the benefits, we want to certainly look out in the future, whether that's a two, three, or five-year, or even perhaps a 10-year look ahead, starting from perhaps the start of the project to the end of the life cycle of, of that project or that, or that asset. One thing I will caution, though, is when do we start capturing the benefits? At least in my experience, we're so anxious to prove that the decision was right that we actually start calculating the return of those benefits sooner than the reality is when we start capturing those returns. So it's important that we we know when we're going to start capturing that return, if you will, and calculate the benefits that are realized. So don't don't capture benefits that don't fall in with that horizon. And when I talk about benefits, we absolutely must assure that those benefits are measurable. So the worst thing that we can do is go back to our leadership team or or again, our finance group and say, trust me, uh, we're seeing a measurable benefit. That's an emotional statement. So unless we have the data and the facts to back that up, I would save your breath saying something like that. One of the other things that we see quite often is we tend to double dip or even triple dip on some of those benefits and those financial benefits. So there may be some overlapping benefits. We, we need to absolutely delineate you know, what truly is a measurable benefit and recognizable and captured benefit versus some of those overlapping or returns that we've been uh, accounting for several times, if you will. One thing I strongly recommend is anytime we put a financial number in front of our our managers or our, well, particularly our managers or the group of people that will be approving the expenditure, is I would strongly recommend that you have someone double check your numbers. It's always advisable to have uh, someone in the finance department double check your numbers and that they agree. Because more times than not, and more likely than not, that person or those group of people will probably be going down the hall to the finance department anyways to have those numbers validated. So you might as well get ahead of that curve and have those numbers already agreed to through the finance department. The other thing is a lot of our proposals include what we would call assumptions. So part of your documentation when you're writing these proposals maybe in the appendix or or as an attachment, that you document what your assumptions are so everyone is crystal clear about the way that you calculated those numbers and how you came upon some of those assumptions. So again, just a couple of those bullets are just um, some words of wisdom and advice because these are things that we have seen in other projects that the um, financing was denied, and it's because they missed some of these points that we just brought up. All right, real good. Important to understand. So just kind of in summary then, Andy, what we're really looking for is to assure that we're calculating these costs and benefits two to five years and 10 years if we can. As well, we want to make sure we're capturing the benefits and the benefits need to be the realized benefits, not the fictitious or imaginary benefits. The benefits become measurable that's the ones that we want to assure that we're measuring and the ones that we report on. We don't, we don't. And sometimes we we have a tendency within organizations to uh, double and triple dip. Everybody wants to take credit for something. We just need to make sure that we understand uh, where those numbers are coming from. Important also, like you said, to to double check the numbers and make sure we're documenting the assumptions because, uh, 
everyone's not typically clear on where things come from, and we want to make uh, everything as clear as possible. So those are some, some really good points as well. For some of the good points that you mentioned there, Andy, we know benefits are not always monetary. What things can be considered a benefit uh, when there is a difference between the terms hard money and soft money, or what would you call it? Well, spot on. There, there are benefits that we can, that are tangible. We can put our hand on it. We can touch it, smell it, and that that is the that is the hard money. And then then there's that soft money, or or uh, some call it blue money. But look, the definition of a benefit, you know, is anything that you would consider a value or a return on. It may be tangible or, or it may not, but you know that, that there's a value and that you, you do understand that in some form there has been a return on, look, it may not just be a return on investment of financially, it may be a return benefit based on your efforts. So there is the hard money, that's the green money, they say, and, and that's the stuff that, that we can put in the bank, if you will. That's tangible. It's worth that we can, again, that we can touch it and we can put it in the bank and we can see our savings account grow. But then there's the soft money or the, the, the blue money, if some call it. This is harder to calculate or place some type of a monetary or financial assessment on. But we know there's some intrinsic value to it, whether that might be you know improved safety or we've enhanced our environmental controls. Or a big one, which is very difficult to put a to put a number on it, but but everybody's experienced that, and that is, what is the morale of the company? Big difference with a highly energetic and motivated staff versus a group that's not, for lack of better terms. We may put some efforts and some money into perhaps cleaning up some of our data, switching over from legacy system to you know the latest upgrade to you know, an SAP or a Maximo or an ERP system or something, but there's a value to having that clean data. Now, we, we may not recognize that benefit today, but boy, in the future, having clean data sure does go a long way. And so those are just a couple of examples that, that I can think of off the top of my head. Good, good. So green money and blue money, it's always an interesting way to describe real cash, I guess. And, and it's hard to calculate cash sometimes. So some may refer to the, the blue money or as referenced, soft money, is that also what we consider cost avoidance? Could be. A lot, of the, a lot of the things that we do out there, we're not really saving money, but we are certainly reducing our expenditures and we are certainly avoiding some of our expenses or costs. Okay, great. Nonetheless, there's something there and it may require some additional work to get to. One thing we haven't really talked about in today's session is where do we get this information to calculate uh, historical numbers and so on and so on to, to come up with some, maybe some facts moving forward so we can realize when we're presenting these, this information to CFO or CEO that we can reference a system or reference where this came from. Where typically do you see these facts coming from? Well, what again, one of the things that, uh, that I always advocate for is Look at um, past proposals, what proposals were successfully approved, what uh, proposals were not approved, or or even look at uh, proposals that were even partially approved. You know, not everybody gets 
that pot of gold. Some proposals, we get some percentage of the requested funds. So there's certainly the internet that, that you can research, you get some data. There's certainly some benchmark information out there that you can use. So there's a multiple of resources out there that you can tap into. But one of the things that, that I do like is looking at past proposals that have been successful and unsuccessful. Okay, good. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate your time today, Andy, and it's uh, always a, a pleasure to have these kinds of conversations with colleagues and other folks who realize that there's more to maintenance, more to engineering, more to operations than just doing the doing things. So appreciate that. Look forward to another session with you. Also look forward to reading uh, some further articles in, in some of the publications that you are frequently writing for. So Andy, thank you for joining us, and we appreciate your feedback. If anybody wishes to obtain more information about Nexus Global or our solutions, you can visit our website at www.nexusglobal.com or send an inquiry to info at nexusglobal.com. Thanks again, Andy. Appreciate your time.